Play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us again for yet another bonus episode. Yep, another bonus episode. Part two of the bonus episode. Well, that bonus episode being my 2022 roundup of the best releases of said year. Last episode, we covered all my uh, 2020, uh, my picks for the best uh, EPs released in 2022. This episode is the best LPs. And it's a somewhat shorter list. That... That list had 12. This one has 10. And yeah, it's uh, going to be roughly the same length because, well, <laughs> there are more songs to talk about and I have a lot to say. So, you know, why should I uh, why should I dilly the dally any longer? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these are the best LPs that were released. Uh, maybe not even the best, but my favorite LPs in 2022. So let's start it off with uh, one of L.A.'s finest, the mighty fucking Terror. Oh, yeah. Terror, they released uh, Pain Into Power last year, and it's uh, it's sort of a semi-reunion with their original guitarist, Todd Jones, who played in the band from 2002 to 2004 with the Lowest of the Low EP and the one with the Underdogs LP, which I talked about in the uh, a few episodes ago in an official episode. <laughs> Anyway, it's awesome to have Todd Jones back. He is featured on one of the songs. We'll get to that in a minute. and But he is holding the producer's helm. And they did reunite with him again in the uh, Trapped in the World compilation in 2021, where it was sort of an unofficial release. They were like, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just get some of the old school songs uh, back together, give them a sort of a... Uh, give them a sort of a, not exactly a redo, but just to remind people that they're still around because it was in lockdown, you know? They didn't really know what else to do. It's <laughs> like, they were, yeah, they were constantly touring. They still are constantly touring. I mean, 20 years into the fucking, uh, into their career, and yeah, what else do they know how to do? It's hardcore. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the so yeah, the whole album, it's pretty fucking awesome. They also have a... They have a song called Unashamed, features uh, Crystal pa Crystal Pack or Pack, I, I don't know, it's a P-A-K, so maybe Pack, uh, from Initiate, and Madison Watkins from, uh, fuck, Year of the Knife. And they also have the mighty George Corpse Grinder Fisher on Can't Help But Hate. And that just kind of adds to a combination of uh, Todd Jones's and Jordan Posner, their current guitarist, uh, their guitar riffs and is allegedly their fastest song to date. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty awesome, the, uh, the myriad of features they had in here. Um, and critics have gone to say how this record has sort of recaptured Terror's original ferocity that has been long lost since One with the Underdogs. And that was the last album, like I said, that Todd Jones was on. So seeing him come back into the fold is sort of uh, help bringing it back to uh, bare bones, as if Terror's uh, music wasn't bare bones enough. They haven't really strayed too far from their sound over the years. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to uh, find a Terror album that sounds dissimilar from another one. Uh, but still, I have my favorites, and I talked about my favorites uh, in separate times on this show. The Yeah, I mentioned the self-titled, uh, not the self-titled, the uh, the debut album. And a few a couple of years ago, I talked about Keepers of the Faith. That was my introduction to Terror. And yep, 
I have a I have an immense love for these guys, and Pain Into Power certainly did not disappoint. So let's get into the song that I loved the most off this one, and that is The Hardest Truth. That is the song that Todd Jones is featured on, and he's got vocal features. Because as we as some of you may know, Todd Jones has found uh, faith <laughs> has found fame and fortune as being the lead singer for nails. So it's nice to see him coming back in uh you know, different ways on this uh, on this LP. So yeah, the hardest truth. Let's fucking go. nice to hear that voice coming back <laughs> well not exactly the voice coming back uh coming back in terror the former voice it's always been scott vogel but the former guitarist coming back as a vocalist pretty rad and also just showing uh pointers to uh jordan and uh uh antonio i believe that i believe that's his name they're uh, they're other guitarists regardless just the fact that Todd Jones was back into the mix, just sort of uh, reminding Terror what they were like when they first started, it just, it, it just, it just bleeds that youthful energy all over again. Despite the fact that they are twenty years in, folks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's Terror. That's pain into fucking power. 
So let's move on from there to a bit more, uh, uh, shall we say, a cultured approach to music. So let's talk about goat whore. <laughs> yeah, goat whore. They were released. <laughs> they were released from hell at uh, some point in the uh, late '90s from New Orleans. The and they have a nice little, uh, nice little combination of satanic blackened death metal. <laughs> and a few more elements on top of that. And they released an album last year called Angels Hung from the Arches of Heaven. I know, it's a fucking mouthful. They have an album title that's as long as your average Nile song title. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I was reading up on the uh I was reading up on the sort of history of the album and the inspiration behind it, and I found this quote from an interview that their uh, uh that their lead singer, Louis Ben Falgust, uh the second <laughs> did with uh, Metal Injection. And it reads as, it is a basis of human despondency, the arc of life and its relationship with the personal abyss of overwhelming emotion and thought, a mixture of esoteric ideas and biblical scripts and the journey to the places some people care not to venture on mental paths. The rise and fall of the self and how the abyss can be a turning point for some and a passageway to oblivion for others. It is blunt and to the point, just like the countless aspects of life. So yeah, this satanic metal band has got a lot of depth. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that's the uh, that's the overall uh, basis of what uh, Arches of Heaven, uh, at least uh, lyrically, has to entail. Uh, sound wise, like I said, it's a. Uh, it's compiling elements of uh, death metal and black metal, but also some sludge metal and even some thrash. And also, I got to point out, this was produced by Kurt Ballou at God City Records, the guy from Death Wish. So they were in, they were in immaculate hands. Kurt Ballou, he's, he's brought so much life to a lot of heavy bands' releases. Awesome. That's why people go, go with him. And so, yeah, the music and lyrics, they balance out in terms of... Uh, in terms of complexity. Ergo, if the song is of a simple build, then so shall be the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for example, Death From Above is more thrash by nature, but it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, lyrically, it's about night witches, the, and that was the name of a group of Soviet bombers and aviators that were comprised entirely of women in a time when they were barred from partaking in active combat. So... Wow. Yeah, pretty awesome. And then you got songs like the title track, which delves into the over uh, into the aforementioned despondent nature of older texts that seem to preach more in favor of the ramifications of the spiritual hierarchy rather than focusing on the human emotional elements regarding the balance between good and evil. And how singularly we develop our own ethical boundaries. But when joining a group, those boundaries may be compromised to fit in its own, uh, to fit in its own ethical regulations. And how conforming to such a degree, and how being, <clears throat> not how being, how doing what you were led to believe is positive uh, turns out to be a negative effect on yourself. Yeah, like I said, depth, <laughs> extreme <laughs> depth. Uh, so the song that I'm uh, going to be playing here is uh, Nihil, uh, N-I-H-I-L. And that dives more into the human psyche and uh, the preservation of our self-worth, how our surroundings affect our overall outlook on the world, and how it leads us to question our stances, our perspectives, our opinions, and how much conviction we hold to it. 
It also warns us that apathy and complacency compromise our, stand, our standards of life. And all given to us in a neat little package of thrash speed and riffs, chanting lyrics, and ravenous guitar solos. So here we are, Niall from Goat Whore. That's one of their more thrashy ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, not all of their songs sound like that, and that's the point, you know. The, they got to work all angles that I, uh, you know, that I mentioned earlier, right? And and they do. Listen to the whole, yeah. Listen to the whole album, and that was the first of the albums that you know came out on that date. You know, ten nine twenty two. 
<laughs> the seventh, uh, not not the seventh, the ninth of October in 2022, there was this album along with two others that have made it on the list. So I will point them out as we move along. Anyway, the next album that we have here is Hygiene from Drug Church. Yeah, now Drug Church is so difficult to pigeonhole into one definable characteristic of hardcore or punk, and nor should they be. Uh, running the gamut of like stringy riffs and angular drumming with the intensity and uh, ferocity of uh, metal-inspired skate punk. Think Strung Out or 88 Fingers Louie. <laughs> and with Patrick Kindlin's cynical worldview seamlessly woven in his lyrics, whether he be yelling or singing in his swaying, reverberating vocal passages. Again, they, they're a weird band. <laughs> but they're a great band. I mean... Yeah, here's some of the here's some of the subjects he's capturing here, and super saturated. It's sort of a, you know, questioning where you place your beliefs. Seems to be a common seems to be a common subject in uh, last year's releases. How many times have I had to write this down? <laughs> uh, Plucked is a, sort of a cautionary tale of where you place your trust, and humorously calls himself out, saying uh, that anything that's bigger than a band is suspect and can't be relied on. <laughs> like, in other words, he's not following groups bigger than about four or five people. <clears throat> and then one song that was uh, that was potential to make a to make the list here was "Tiresome," as it's a song about well, it's about depression, and it gets very grim in the last verse. It's uh, "You fooled fools, but that's worthless." Your pulse asks, "What's the purpose?" When tired is the entire sum, that shit just makes you tiresome. <laughs> yeah and that's sort of like uh when you ask people who are you know who are visually forlorn and you ask them what's wrong they often respond with i'm just tired it's like yeah tired i'm mentally exhausted i am emotionally depleted i am in an existential crisis at the moment i am tired of living so yeah in other words tiresome so yeah that was a that like I said, was a contender to be met on here, but it was not that one. And it's not the next one I'm talking about. Athlete on the bench, though this one was this one was pretty awesome. It's emphasizing uh, self-preservation despite being in a career that's either famine or feast. You know, being in drug church, being in a band that's like uh, you don't know when you're going to make it to your next show or if you will, at least comfortably. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, and there's a lyric uh, in there that really uh, exempt that uh, just kind of rounds it all up, living between sinking margins. <laughs> and that also uh, <clears throat> that also is uh, equipped towards uh, streaming. You know, the streaming margins, how many times people will uh, click play on the little Spotify. Uh, and one of the songs that I uh, played uh, back when this episode, uh, in the episode back when the uh, album dropped, was Piss and Quiet. And it's their most punk sound. It's about as straightforward as their music gets in this album. It's got, yeah, punchy punk pounces and anthemic vocal chants and the chorus. I and, excuse me, the vocal chants in the chorus, it's ironic being that the lyrics go, I'm not one for anthems, slogans, or tricks. Simple cadence to sell cheap shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's just created an anthem right there. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Patrick. Well, whatever. That that was a great one, too. But the song that I really wanted to touch on, if not for just its lyrical content, uh, content is, de 
Detective Lieutenant. Such a <laughs> such a weird title. Uh, it touches on the phrase of separating the artist from the art. Uh, and the opening lyrics put bluntly how it's uh, the spectator that assigns meaning uh, to what someone else creates and how if the creator turns out to be a piece of shit, it doesn't change that feeling. Or does it? It's all about drawing that line in the sand and setting your own limits. And that's a subject not many uh, people talk about. Yeah, mostly because it's uh, touchy, it's a sensitive issue, and uh, a lot of people will uh, sway one way um, to one extreme. And and yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome that he's uh, bringing this to the forefront in a song. He does sort of uh, uh, sort of say where he stands on the issue, but he's leaving it more open ended. So so yeah, let's listen to it. This is Detective Lieutenant from the latest Drug Church album. Do it, do 
Yeah, take that cancel culture. <laughs> uh, yeah, drug church hygiene, always bringing the good shit, all the and all the strange shit too. I really love what they do, and uh, I really love what they do in their music and uh, the fresh take that they're given in hardcore, in more ways than one. Uh, moving on from there, here is the second album that I was uh, ref- of the date ten. Nine. (laughs) And that one is Armed for Apocalypse, Ritual Violence. And these are sludgy metalcore giants from Chico, California, doing what they do best, which is back-breaking riffs, arm-pumping rhythms, and trachea-shredding vocals that garners listeners' participation at times. And they know how to mix things up in terms of speed and aggression. Uh, The song Frail that I talked about when that album came out comes right out of the gate with rapid punk tempos and leads into a breakdown with classic intonated notes and between each crashing riff and and lyrically, fittingly enough, calls out those who talk big game, but when the time comes to step up, they immediately submit. <laughs> you little bastards. Uh, full of phlegm, that was the... Uh, a, yeah, that was the first single to drop from this album, and it's an exercise in brutality, just being shrouded in slow riffs and floor-shaking beats, and with a softer yet still unnerving lull in the middle. And Hourglass, they have guitars that, in accordance with the drums, feel rather pendulous, as it were, as you know, as if it was uh, paying homage to the Abbott Brothers or uh, Lamb of God's guitarists, you know. Groove. <laughs> I love how they do that. Uh, the song that is going to be uh, that is going to be unveiled in just a minute is "Foredoomed," and it holds itself as the caveat for uh, well, caveat caveat whatever for their output. Speedy rhythms and riffs, a chonky breakdown, some rather bluesy riff passages broken up by pinch harmonics, and a guitar tone that mirrors that of uh, Tony Iommi. And it has a guitar solo, too, be it ever so fleeting. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets, uh, it gets all the way back to that old-school Doom sound. So here we go. Four Doomed, and I'm saying emphasis on Doom, if not for the tone itself, by Arm for Apocalypse. <laughs>
quite an exercise in futility and brutality. <laughs> yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for that uh, for this band again. This is their first release and uh, well, their first LP release since uh, uh, the road will end, and that was back in uh, 2016, I want to say 2015. I don't know the exact year, but that was the last LP. And I love that LP. And I love this LP. I loved Arm for Apocalypse. I can't wait for their triumphant return to Salt Lake City. They will be coming back. I talked to them on Instagram. They are on tour right now. They're just going to more warmer climes, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what they told me. So, alas, I will have to wait a little bit longer. But... Even if I have to book them my damn self, I will get them here. <laughs> Moving on from there, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to uh, less uh, technical fields and uh, arguably less heavier fields. As the next one is get fucked from the chats. <laughs> now these guys may be from Australia, but come on, that just sounds like old skate '77 UK punk. It's fucking great, and as the title would suggest, these guys are not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> they don't hold ba- they don't hold back much. <laughs> they are raw, they are aggressive, and they focus on menial issues to which everyone can relate. For example, the price of smokes. It's bitching about the ever increasing cost of cigarettes. <laughs> a six liter GTR is uh, is a slant against the hoon driving culture. Now, hoon is an Aussie term for hooligan. So you know those drag racers, the motherfuckers who just. Uh, have their muffler set up to where it sounds like a fucking weed eater when they're just tearing it up down the road. And I'm like, yeah, fuck those guys. They're annoying. <laughs> and then Ticket Inspector is uh, busted for buying a 14S train ticket. Now, a 14S ticket is a ticket that you buy, and it is cheaper for those passengers who are four- the age of 14 or below. Okay. So, yeah, you got caught for uh, scamming the train industry. <laughs> and then... Uh, that's something like paid late. It's about being broke and the lyrics pertaining to having uh, insufficient funds when you go to the ATM to pull out some money. And also being mad about not being able to buy your own beer. <laughs> oh, and Emperor of the Beach. I talked about this song. It's uh, lambasting the regal attitudes of local surfers. It's like, I'm the king of the beach. I fuck you. Did you see me rip that tide over there? Hey, yeah, fuck yourself. <laughs> and the song that I had to... That I just ended up choosing was Dead on Sight. It paints a couple of uh, grisly scenes of death and onlookers turning a blind eye and focusing on other aspects of the death. Such so as like, oh, his hair's brown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but the lyrics are a bit more, uh, a bit more detailed. Okay, not detailed, but a bit more precise on what they're focusing on. So yeah, here's Dead on Sight, and here's the chats. Be sure to get fucked in the process. Yeah! 
yeah, I love that album. <laughs> yeah, funny thing about this album, it was recorded in just six days. Wow. Six days. It has 13 songs on there, and uh, and the runtime clocks in at just under half an hour. And it's about as bare-boned, no-holds-barred, blunt force to a blunt force delivering a punk album as you're going to get these days. So <laughs> be happy with what you got, fools. <laughs> uh, thank you, chats. Thank you for representing all C punk. You guys are killing it. Anyway, moving on from there, we now get into the two song territory, the top five, the top five. And each of these albums going to have two tracks exemplary of eat of, of the LP because hey, they deserve more standout. They deserve more recognition. And Yes, yeah, some uh, major rock critics may disagree, but I don't care. I'm not a major rock critic. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, number five is the, uh, I think the, I think it was the first album that made it on my list of uh, best releases in 2022. And that was the new Comeback Kid record, Heavy Steps. And heavy indeed. Like, uh, this was the first album for me that grabbed me and held me as tightly as Wake the Dead. That and that may still be my favorite album, but Heavy Steps may come in at a close second. It's uh, not to dis not to discredit the albums that were released since then, but this record holds that same vigor that what once was held during their salad days. This is also in part to it's uh, following the previous LP, Outsider, which went astray slightly enough to uh, that it softened the blow. You know, I expected more from uh, Comeback Kid on that record. <laughs> so this album is full of charged riffs, crushing breakdowns, grainy harmonies, and thought-provoking lyrics, uh, writing off of Andrew Newfield's resilient larynx, whose vocals sound just as good, if not better, than they ever have. Uh, they know when to be rough and heavy, yet know when to tone it down. And... Yeah, you get it from the opening, uh, the opening track, which is the title track. It wastes no time as it opens with an ominous sound of feedback from the amps as the bass and drums build the intensity. There's a pick scratch and everything stops, save for the guitar, which leads the riff until heavy steps on hollow ground. Boom. And the verse maintains such ferocity uh, until the chorus soothes things out with more melody in the backing vocals and guitar octaves. Uh, before long, the opening chant is revived to bring in a monstrous breakdown. That song sets the overall mood for the album. A lot of build-up, breakdown, repeat, but is done so eloquently. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, and other songs to point out. No Easy Way Out has a bouncy beat for the chant-laden chorus, while the verse is carried mainly by the bass and drums. Andrew lays some rallying lyrics questioning the convictions of people's stances. Again, that, that subject again. <laughs> <laughs> All over the damn place. Uh, Face the Fire focuses on speed and melody to ease the tension from uh, the previous and soon-to-follow pummeling. Uh, Crossed has a, has a crawling riff you'd sooner hear in a death metal song. And fittingly enough, considering that this song features Do, Do, Joe Duplantier from Gojira laying some gutturals to lay your Andrew's chants. Yep, yet another death metal inclusion on a hardcore record. <laughs> Even the lyrics are uh, taken out of context could be misconstrued as a metal song, Into the Void. That's even the name of a Black Sabbath song. <laughs> uh, but it isn't meant to be taken in a fantastic or a fantasy concept. It is a song about mental anguish. 
Uh, yeah. And speaking of features, JJ from D's Nuts shows up on Everything Relates, which is another song with a softer blow, but catchy as fuck with its chorus. With its chorus. This fortune ended up worse. This fortune ended up worse. Violence set to call. So let's get to the uh, subjects of uh, today's today's episode. The first of which will be Shadow of Doubt. And it starts violently enough with the chant, When in doubt! Repeating on top of itself before it breaks into the chorus that demands your contribution. And the chorus stays its course with a groove that emanates of a rather uh, comfortable platform for the choral chant structure. The verse, however, pummels with breakneck speed until all the guitar, all but the guitar stops and leads the charge after Andrew's war cry, Doubt. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty standard hardcore material. But Comeback Kid is uh, well, more or less uh, not an average hardcore band. <laughs> they got their own thing going on, and they are they strayed from the path ever so slightly with Outsider, as I mentioned. But Heavy Steps really brought it back. And if you don't believe me, listen to this fucking song. <laughs> it's searching down.
Yep. That's what I think is exemplary of a comeback hit song. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it fucking crashes down. But there is only one song that I love better than that one, and that is Dead on the Fucking Fence. God damn, that song. It starts off pretty similar it's pretty similarly with a riff and beat that otherwise could be confused as a breakdown riff. It comes back though. <laughs> it stays that course with oh shit. It stays that course with uh, slamming rhythms as one guitar holds the uh, <clears throat> well, it holds back to hold down the rhythm while the second spices it up with rather sinister sounding leads while Andrew screams with constant struggle to maintain mental health. <laughs> Using the storms rushing to find no love, no come of mind as a lyrical metaphor for such. It's even of such an aggressive nature that it not only functions as the battle cry to lead in the breakdown, but to be carried by the music during. But of course, it boasts its title to warrant a crowd reaction. Dead on the fence! So yeah, this was the song that made me want to throw on my cargo shorts and just like put a fitted cap on and just start punching the fucking ground until the knuckles broke. Well, that or if the concrete broke. Whatever broke first, that's who. That's how you know who won. Even if I broke my knuckles first, I still won. <laughs> so yeah, here is the most hardcore song on this hardcore record by this hardcore band, Dead on the Fucking Fence.
storms rushing to find no love, no calm of mind. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking comeback, kid. Just when I thought I had lost you, you came back. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a horrible pun. But, hey, I get one every once in a while. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... Uh, I even had that higher up on my list. Like, I thought it was going to be the best album of... Uh, of 2022 but at, at the time of its release it was still very fresh i'm like hold on we're not even halfway through the year just give it time and i did give it time as there are uh, four albums that i hold uh, to a higher standard and here we go with number four this is stick to your guns their album specter that came out these champions of uh, Orange County, melodic slash post-hardcore with soaring melodies, pop hooks, juxtaposed, <laughs> juxtaposed to roaring gutturals and plenty of fist-pumping rhythms, circle pit-inducing speeds, and knuckle-shattering breakdowns. This album is swathed in both uh, socio-political commentary and heart-tugging vulnerability. <clears throat> And Six Year Guns has a lot to say on this record. Uh, vocalist Jesse Burnett, he runs a marathon of lyrics. Not all of them are his, but he does sing them all. Uh, pertaining to holding your ground and fighting for your rights, as, you know, this is about as uh, political as Six Year Guns has gotten in the same album. They got a lot of, uh, a lot of sociopolitical commentary coming in, uh, coming in this record as opposed to their other ones. But that's not all they have to offer. Um, but to start off with, the intro track, My Heart Is A, is 30 seconds of soothing acoustic guitar until about halfway through is met with a swath of amp feedback and then guitar melodies and some light tom tapping building on a crescendo until a brief moment of silence and Jesse starts off the following song by singing the rest of the sentence, My Heart Is A Weapon. The song kicks off right there with some overlaid whoa, whoa's. <laughs> Anyway, songs like Hush and Liberate are designed to level buildings. <laughs> what with how Josh James and Chris Rawson, uh, uh, Rawson slam and their fucking guitars to match George Schmidt's thundering drums. <laughs> However, there are none more heavy than today's selections. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but there's one of which that didn't uh, make the cut. And that seems to be uh, one of the leading favorites from this album. That is Hush. It is... Uh, <clears throat> It is a slam-happy track, only emphasizing Jesse's commanding vocals, uh, screaming a warning to self-proclaimed warriors who preach and practice their ignorant rhetoric that revenge is nigh. You'll answer for what you've done with your last breath, and with little whispers of hush breaking in between those lines, just like not exactly gang chants, but gang whispers. Hush. Hush. <laughs> That's fucking killer. Uh, a World to Win, I played this song uh, when I initially talked about this album. It rides with the classic sound of Stick to Your Guns sing-along choruses, and I mean sing, which has a dancey beat to match, but breaks into a classic uh, punk rock circle pit-inducing speed as Jesse yells rallying lyrics to fight for freedom. I love segments when the guitars hold out on elongated chords while the bass and drums carry the rhythm. It just, it just adds so much. It's so little, but so much at the same time. Uh, and Liberate uh, preaches against complacency and that if you actually want to fight for human rights and liberations, you must follow your words with action, sir. More on that later in the next episode. <laughs> Trust me, it's <laughs> there's a lot more. 
Open Up My Head is a lot more somber with a slow ballad-like build, and Jesse sings with some rough melodic vocals. It feels more personal as the lyrics read like he's uh, struggling with his sense of self and considering all the info he's being fed. Father is a tribute to uh, Chris's recently deceased father, uh, Chris Rawson, by the way. It points out the picture of a funeral procession and Jesse's lyrics reading more like a like a eulogy if he's uh, reading and shouting them from the podium that's, you know, that's at the funeral. And the reverb effect in his voice uh, chanting, true freedom of death, true freedom is dead. Just uh, pretty, yeah, pretty damn uh, misanthropic there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, No Way to Live is just Jesse and his acoustic guitar singing about the complicated relationship one can hold with another person who they love yet hold radically different views, especially when you're in your family. Such a, yeah, it's such a weird position to be in. Anyway, let's talk about the two songs that are going to be played in just a minute. The first one is Instruments of the End. It has a demanding riff, feeling more like a crossover thrash nod, and be damned if the riffs in this breakdown don't make you want to put yourself in harm's way. <laughs> oh, man. Its, it's lyrics are straightforward criticisms of people being content with everything going on in this world, particularly the negative things, and that their complacency and apathy is leading the sort of pilgrimage of our demise. You know, in other words, if you're an ostrich with your head in the sand, you're part of the fucking problem. And I know this is a different band and a much, much, much older song, but uh, in the song Deer Dance by System of a Down, uh, uh, there's a lyric that Serge says in there that's like, we can't afford to be neutral on a moving train. It's like, yep, train's moving on. You're along for the ride. Sorry, but <laughs> when the world goes to shit, you're going to hell with it, sir. So yeah, Instruments of the End. Let's have a fun fucking uh, breakdowny, slashy, uh, slashy, slammy time. Yeah! 
You're living, you'll live, and you'll die this way. <laughs> Again, can't afford to be neutral in a moving train. <laughs> Especially when that train's about to go plummeting off of a fucking cliff due to an unfinished bridge. Back to the Future 3 style. <laughs> but there ain't no... Uh, there ain't no car in front that's gonna reach, uh, that's gonna go uh, ludicrous speed and reach uh, 88 miles an hour and uh, lead you to safety. <laughs> Sorry, can't move time forward, uh, nor should we. Um, moving on from there, there is uh, one other track on this album that I think is heavier, and that's Who Dares Wins. This is the heaviest song on the album, if not for the closing breakdown, but. Before we get there, the verse is carried by down-picking riffs, and the chorus, while melodic, still has some bite and catchy sing-along lyrics to match. The breakdown is the most brutal example of such, having swaying chords carry the build into the pulverizing ending, which are just hammering power chords matched with intonated chord breaks. It's such a fucking, uh, it's a scorcher, man. And I love knowing that they're doing those intonated uh, chaotic notes. That's one way that sets this album apart from their uh, previous ones, because, you know, it was all like... Uh, all the brash and then all the melody just sort of uh, intertwined, as it were. Like, uh, you know, your average uh, melodic hardcore or even your post-hardcore sound. But it's just the little extra shit they do on here to make it stand out. So, so yeah, here is Who Dares Wins. Oh, get ready to break your fucking necks, man. Help, help, I've been robbed, help, I've been robbed. Everybody run across the street. What's the matter, what's the matter? As soon as he got the crowd together, he'd yell... I've been robbed by the capitalist system, fellow workers. We talked to them for 10 minutes, and then the boys would leap out and start singing, and this is what they were singing.
And that's the type of music you fucking curb stomp someone's head to. <laughs> oh, God. I fucking love that. Oh, I love that. It just, uh, yeah, there's no other thing to say other than that. <laughs> All right, stick to your guns. Damn, heaviest album in a few years. Not since Diamond have I heard something that crazy. And that was, that was a, almost 10 years ago that album came out. I think it was uh, 2014 came out. No, maybe 2013. Um, I'm bad with the I'm bad with the time slots, but a while ago, yeah, a while ago, at least a decade ago. <laughs> but it's nice to know that that vitriol is still there. Maybe that was the wrong word. The no vigor. I was thinking the the vigor, <laughs> vigor. Anyway, let's uh, move on from there. Let's go to number three, Funeral Chic, Roman Candle, and man, this album is. Uh, it is so bizarre. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's give it some background. This band was uh, have been fighting as contenders alongside the likes of uh, Nails and Trap Them, among others, in the little niche sub sub genre of blackened hardcore with their uh, with their pilot albums Hatred Swarm and Rotten to the Core. In Roman Candle, they take a different approach, and all the while not losing their core black metal ish sound as it emanates such callbacks to classic rock and old-school metal, as well as proto-punk. And I recently, uh, recently, when I originally talked about this album, I mentioned their uh, sort of a correlation with uh, the song 1970 by the Stooges. I'll actually talk about that in a minute, as that song is going to come up. And yeah, considering all that I, considering all that I have said, and also considering what a, uh, uh, the review of this album from uh, uh, from Metal Injection, uh, the writer ha- was stating that he was listening to the record and he was getting into it. And his friend walked by and was saying, hey, are you listening to Tad? <laughs> if you don't know Tad, those are one of the instigators of what we know as grunge. <laughs> so to be compared to fucking Tad, based on what I just said, black and fucking hardcore power violence, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't know. Can you say blackened grunge? (laughs) Oh, man. So the boys know how and when to change up the vibe of this record. It has its get up and go moments like in spit and crawl, lose and satisfaction and some slower head bobbing numbers like the title track and ain't going nowhere. And then last line blues, which is a heavy, slow burning uh, blues song and two-headed dog which sounds like an 80s hair metal anthem that sounds like you give love a bad name <laughs> and there are also piano solos and guitar solos and saxophone solos god damn this album is a bag of tricks <laughs> oh god so yeah some of the songs on here a spit and crawl the first single from this record it has a rampant speed with a uh, with a guitar melody draped over the leading riff with a wah pedal and its lyrics are about having an existential crisis if it don't kill me i don't want it if it keeps me alive then it's fucking garbage and also call the coroner call the priest tell them i'm down on my knees hammer the nails crown of thorns even christ didn't ask to be born <laughs> It just brings a smile to my face. It's just like a, it's just like a total black comedy show in the form of this uh, weird Sonic Enterprise. This, uh, I guess you could call it hardcore, but once we start listening to the music, it's, uh, it gets really bizarre. Even the title track has a thunderous groove, and uh, 
some really infectious leads, and the lyrics read like someone laying out a plan for an all-night bender. <laughs> I'm going off like a Roman candle in the night. <laughs> anyway, one of the songs that I just mentioned, Last Line Blues, it has a psych rock sounding opening, given a feel of like late 60s rock and roll. And it quickly changes its trajectory to a more 12-bar blues rhythm, like boom, 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 boom. You know, the lyrics don't differ too much from classic blues, but as a classic blues man maybe sobbing over being out of beer, the title here, as well as the setting of the lyrics paint, suggests the disappointment of being out of blow. <laughs> With no mirror. <laughs> Actually, no, there is a mirror. That's why I'm, uh, you know, that's why I'm uh, referencing that it is uh, cocaine. So the last line, blues. <laughs> Let's go.
Only one other band has made such a pummeling 12-bar blues songs, and that is Death Clock with Murder Train a-coming. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, such a similar build, too. And my God, what a... <laughs> like I said, there's a fucking saxophone solo, and I'm just right? realizing that the other song that I chose on this record also has a saxophone solo that leads out the rest of the... <laughs> that leads out the end to it. And that song is Satisfaction. And it has such a sinister Slayer-inspired thrash riff, and it gets dirty towards the end with some nice downstroking riffs. And the lyrics are dripping like blood from the arm of a relapsed junkie. And it ends with a chaotic sax solo, just as Dustin Carpenter yells, cut me up, use me for blood. Hence what I said of, like, dripping like blood. <laughs> And yeah, like I said, the sax solo, remember what I said earlier about the correlation to the Stooges, particularly the song 1970? Yeah. Yeah, such a crazy fucking sax solo just comes in at the end of it and just sees everybody out. Yeah, like I said, this album is fucking weird, man. <laughs> but it's you not, liked it. I did like it. That's why it's number three on my list. I even moved it up. It was originally number five, but it... Like, in the scope of writing all of this down, all the things I wanted to say about it, I'm like, you know what? I think I like this album a little more. <laughs> you know, it's not too abstract to where I can't, like, fully understand it. It's not like a improvisational jazz. Not in, the, not in the least. This is just a bunch of weird ingredients coming together, but the ingredients made such a phenomenal dish. So, thank you, guys. You just won a, a power of violence rock and roll heavy shit kitchen <laughs> so, and if you don't believe me here is their uh, uh creme de la creme the chef's kiss of all of theirs of all the songs on this uh well this 12 song record this is satisfaction fittingly enough
Yeah, it's going to go on like that for uh, a few more seconds, but... <laughs> another minute. Yeah, another whole minute, but time is of the essence, fellas, and... Uh, yeah, Funeral Chic, remember what I was saying? Really, a lot of weird shit going on here. <laughs> and yeah, the, the saxophone solo may not be as chaotic as the one you heard from, uh, you would hear from the Stooges album, but still... I can't remember the last time a saxophone solo is in a is in a metal album. Unironically, as well, like this isn't a joke. This is actually a serious. Uh, like this was an actual thought that they had, and actually decided, yes, we're gonna put this in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Funeral Chic, Roman Candle, what a fucking album. Anyway, we are on to the penultimate rel- the penultimate choice in this list of greatest LPs of 2022. And that is the final album that was released on 10-9. And I may be getting the date wrong. I can't remember if it was 10-9 or 10-7, but I was in the hospital. Everything, all the days were bleeding together. I was bedridden and it was just, it was stupid. It was stupid. But you know what's not stupid? This fucking album, the latest from Lamb of God fucking Omens. Oh God, Lamb of God. Yeah, among them, they are among the most centripetal bands in modern metal. These Virginia bruisers have dominated the landscape from people speakers to festival festival lineups. Uh, Lamb of God have really blazed a trail and are continuing to do so. Uh, they are fanning the flames with their latest release, Omens. And with Lamb of God, their music hasn't strayed too far from its roots. You hear the signature scale patterns and intonated chords from Mark Morton and Will Adler, and their near uh, heavy and swaying drumming from Chris Adler, now Art Cruz, or Randy Bly's unmistakable voice. You know it's a Lamb of God song you're listening to. They've combined elements of groove metal, thrash, hardcore, death metal, and metalcore in both their sound and lyrics. And not, for, and not for a long time have all those elements been so equally represented on this album. What's funny is when I first heard this album, I didn't really think too much of it, but that's also because I wasn't really paying attention to it. I put it on while I was driving and was just uh, more or less paying more attention to the road, and I was also very tired. It was the end of the workday. Uh, so I had to give it another listen, and I gave it another one and another one. And another one. And goddamn, I could not stop listening to this fucking record. (laughs) So yeah, Lamb of God's Omens. Yeah. Fittingly enough, the opening track and their leading single, Nevermore, starts off rather similarly to Laid uh, Laid to Rest. Uh, The discordant scale patterns and groovy riffs, and it gives slight... It gives way slightly for Randy to speak some words before ascending to his trademark scream. And the structure in the chorus allows for the demanding lyrics to stake their claim. Uh, Vanishing has enough groove to go around, especially in the chorus, uh, complimenting Randy screaming, Vanishing! Whereas the verse holds more of a speedy uh, sort of punk rhythm. Uh, The title track has some southern edge in the vocal structure, coming off more like like a blues pattern. It's like he's channeling his inner Phil Anselmo. Uh, And the chorus indicts some chants, which are easy to... Easy to yell along to. <clears throat> Fuck it all, ignore the omens. That's my best Randy Bly impersonation. So <laughs> <laughs> apologies to all the listeners around there. I hope your uh, eardrums haven't shattered. 
Anyway, uh, also Gamora is more like a is more like a Lamb of God style ballad, as it's a uh, slow. It carries more of a melody in the as the focus, and the chugging riffs are sort of added as flavor. They're just there in the background. Well, not in the background. They're still in the forefront, but they're not the focus, at least in the verse. And it's sort of depicting the story of the falling, uh, the biblical story anyway, of the falling of that city, Gomorrah. And Denial Mechanism, I talked about this one. I played it on here. It is their, It is about as hardcore punk a track as they got on this album or really anywhere in their discography. And it has a crossover edge to it. And it's very straightforward, blatantly calling out humans and their lack of the concept of enough. Oh, God. That's a great one. That's a great one. It almost made uh, this list, but I played it before. And there are some other songs I wanted to shed light on. The first of which will be To the Grave. And I've added it, if not just for the lyrical subject and how we hide elements of our personality that will go to the grave with us. The only thing to fear lives on inside of me. It whispers in my ear, To the Grave Eternally. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not necessarily hiding stuff. It's like you could be vocal about it. You could be open about it, but it's still going to be there. It's going to be with you forever. So you got to learn to cope, man. So here we are with To the Fucking Grave.
But until then, you will still be lumbering around here <laughs> and giving us some great fucking metal. Yeah, I'm uh I'm still uh I'm still in shock of how uh this album just went to being like uh eh to me to being a uh, number two on my list of greatest LPs. Right. <laughs> it sometimes happens, folks. It sometimes happens. That's why uh, I remember when I first started writing for Slug in the uh, the Slug Bible, which was basically the uh, the manual for all new writers. A section specific for uh, music writers, which is what I was, said we recommend listening to the album at least three or four times before you submit an opinion. So yeah, nowhere does that ring more true than uh, my listening to this album. Moving on from uh, <clears throat> moving on from there, we got. The last song that I want to mention, and that is Ditch. And it is pretty aggro and blatant from the get-go with, like, this typical slogan of apathy. I don't give a goddamn! <laughs> it's like, okay, right there. You just, you just had your hook and you pulled me in. So what else you got to say? Well, it stays pretty speedy in its verse, and it gets chonky in the chorus with lyrics warning how Americans are scared so easily, despite self-applying the title of The Brave in the alleged land of the free and how it's brought about by sheer complacency, which is digging themselves further into the ditch. You've been dug down in a ditch that you dug yourself. Yeah, nowhere does it call it, call someone out so blatantly and so uh, so efficiently. <laughs> yep, they dumbed the they dumbed the lyricism down to where any dumbass can uh, can actually uh, I don't know listen, relate, understand. <laughs> I mean, they might not understand. They'll probably still be acting the exact same way. But for now, we can always hope. And we got people like Randy Bly penning lyrics like this, so there is hope. This is Ditch. Yeah. 
Face down in a ditch that you dug yourself. You could live or die by the hand you're dealt. Unwound consequence that you can never tell. Live or die by the hand you're dealt. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. For, say it louder for the people in the back. And I mean the way back, the backwoods down south. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're everywhere. So, so many ignorant fucking bastards out there. Ignorance begets ignorance. They breed. You have a bunch of ignorant parents who breed ignorant children. And, yeah, it kind of sucks that way. But sometimes, sometimes we get some people who are, you know, who are very well informed, who actually have a brain in between their shoulders <laughs> <laughs> and actually see the consequences of their actions and their statements as well. If we have more people like that, we'll be uh, inching ever so closely to world peace. Well, we inch closer every year by the... Maybe not inch. We millimeter closer every year. <laughs> there we go. That's a new uh, phrase that's termed. A, a, a new phrase that's coined. Jesus. I've been talking too much. This has been a long day. It's been a long week. <laughs> and it's almost over. Anyway, we co we've worked our way to the top of the list. We are now at the fucking top of the mountain of the peak of 2022. Anyway, to reiterate... We've had terror, pain into power. We had goat whore, angels hung from the arches of heaven. Can we just make that an acronym, people? <laughs> God damn. Drug churches hygiene. Armed for apocalypse, ritual violence. The chat, get fucked. Funeral chic, Roman candle, stick to your guns, specter, comeback kid, heavy steps, lamb of God omens. And at the very top of this list, who should it be but, drum roll please. Death Western by fucking Spirit World. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. I was excited for this fucking album. Ever since I listened to Pagan Rhythms, I was ready I was ready to mosh my damn brains out when they came through with, uh, who was it? It was 200 Saboons? I think it? so. Yeah. I oh, know. It was with uh, Creeping Death. I can't remember if uh, 200 Saboons was on that bill. I think they were. I don't know. So many shows coming through. It's hard <laughs> to keep track. But Spirit World is the reason I was there. And when they came out with those fucking nude suits, I was like, okay, these guys have got something going on. I love them already. <laughs> well, I mean, I already did love them. I loved the music, but now I love them even more. So, and, and they did not always start that way. They started off as like a, a space cowboy punk band, which quickly morphed into this uh, death metal, thrash metal, hardcore enterprise with a mix of satanic imagery and old Western movies. <laughs> uh, think Evil Dead meets Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And musically, I describe them as a blend of like Slayer, Integrity, and Obituary. And there's a narrative through it all, as, uh, as described by Lyralist. Uh, 
whoops, lyricist <laughs> slash vocalist slash composer Stu Folsom. He states it's uh, part two of their from their previous album, Pagan Rhythms, and will continue on as a trilogy. And that trilogy is of demons running amok in the Old West, pretty much. <laughs> And he wants to branch out outside of just the sonic spectrum. He wants to go visual from uh, graphic novels to, to even film. Right. Yeah, I went back and listened to, uh, uh, listened to the interview we did with him in uh, November. And yeah, that guy has got a lot of ambition. And I respect that about him. Anyway, they're already starting big with, uh, as I said earlier, wearing the, the whole getup with the 10-gallon hats, the cowboy boots, and the nude suits with all the rhinestones. Uh, you don't expect that from a band that sounds like this. <laughs> I mean, people will come out, they expect some, like, uh, they're like, wait, is this like a Hank Williams uh, cover band or some shit? And then they start off with the... Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, that's a, this is a little bizarre, but I'm into it. <laughs> and, and yeah... What sh how should they start off this uh, album, Death Western, with the intro of Mojave Bloodlust? It sounds off with a guitar playing sort of ominous Southwestern-style folk. Sort of the score that you would hear from uh, Nico Morricone, who did the... Uh, who was the composer of all those spaghetti western films? Right, particularly the Clint Eastwood ones. Like you know the wow 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 wow. And on top of that, there's a voiceover with uh, seems like it's coming from a priest who's condemning a prisoner slated for execution. And then, boom! Here comes the fucking metal. This thrash and punk rhythms and sinister leads, complete with fucking whammy bars and tremolo open notes. It's just. Yeah, you realize that this is a force with which to be reckoned. And also, watch the music video. It, that's what I mean by them wanting to go into a visual aspect. And I, yeah, I want more, Stu. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> also, Relic of Damnation. It has a, it has a marching beat starting, its, starting off, and it kicks into fifth gear before long. And if I could sum up the riffs on, in this album in general, in one word, it'd be evil. <laughs> It just, everything sounds like it's conjuring up something. And honestly, that's to the album's uh, advantage here. Purified in violence, it seems like hell's rebuttal of the, to the Crusades as the demons are now fighting back in such, a, in such an immense degree. And it even has a reference to death in their lyrics, baptized in blood. Uh, and then Committee of Buzzards, which uh, I guess is like a, a favorite of Stu, as he singled that album, uh, that song out on the album as one of his favorites. And yeah, it shows off some great double bass to some uh, Slayer riffs and the lyrics of scavenging birds just waiting for a wandering soul to turn into a carcass. And the buzzards read to be more of a metaphor for demons waiting to occupy a new vessel. And Heretic Butcher continues the trek of the newly possessed, just wreaking havoc among his enemies. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. The funny thing was that Stu also said the lyrics were just sort of like a, an afterthought. He actually used that word afterthought to all the riffs that he was writing, you know, it just sort of uh, came, you know, secondary. And I was like, okay, well, be that as it was, you got something going on in that head because this is, <laughs> these lyrics are fucking awesome. It's satanic hardcore. I love it. Or death metal hardcore. I told you what they sound like. And and yeah, the one that I got to get to first is Lujeria, la, yeah, Lujeria Satanica. And it's sort of uh, telling the story of a witch being the sort of uh, juror for redemption. 
uh, kind of in a St. Peter, but the, you know, the, the opposite, you know, St. Peter for the underworld. <laughs> uh, yeah, for a soul that may ascend or descend. And it seems as the soul hasn't redeemed, hasn't been redeemed, as the lyrics of Cower Before the King suggest that he has sunk into the underworld. That in the song is fucking brutal as hell, too. So, Luhiria Satanica, let's go. God, I love the I love that little groovy breakdown on the end with those dun, 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 just oh, the nice little galloping rhythms, almost like the galloping of the horses of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. This isn't a, that type of a biblical story. You know, you don't see all the pure souls ascending to the heavens and all the sinners getting, uh, you know, left to burn in the fucking uh, blistering wasteland of the what was once planet Earth. 
No, instead we got something else. We got another song here that's uh, aptly titled Moonlit Torture. And man, this was the first song that I heard off this record. It was the leading single. And starts off with a nice little, uh, like a nice little death metal song, uh, but transitions to punk seamlessly in the verse and then back to the former. And who should come in to lay down some serious vocals but Dwid Hellion himself? That being the same Dwid from Integrity. Oh, man. He comes in on some backing vocals, but during the breakdown, he's got his own little, uh, he's got his own little thread that he, that he weaves in. And, and yeah, Dwid's got such a distinct voice, and Stu sounds ruggedly similar to it. Like, almost identical. So it was kind of hard to, uh, uh, to sort of uh, see the difference. <laughs> to differentiate. That's what I was looking for. Uh but yeah, like I said, Integrity was one of the bands that inspires him. Same thing with Slayer and same thing with uh, quite a bit of 90s hardcore and death metal. So that was great. And yeah, Moonlit Torture is probably the best example of, of where uh, Spirit World is sitting now. It's got everything in there. It's got death metal, it's got thrash, it's got punk, and it's got dwid. So here we are, hanging upside down by the heathen's rope. It's moonlit fucking torture, people. Have fun. Go!
I got to point out another uh, another uh, correlation that you know uh, that I see between them and integrity. Aside from the obvious, is integrity also uh, delves into a lot of occultish imagery in their lyrics. Like humanity is the devil, and also some of the uh, oh god, howling for the nightmare shall consume us. A lot of black metal imagery going in there, and some uh, lyrical. Uh, well, yeah, lyrics obviously, but musical as well it gets that sort of a uh, weird death metal vibe black and death metal vibe in there so so yeah of course uh dwid is uh loving these guys He's probably seeing them as as uh uh mini me's <laughs> 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 probably not uh, he, dwid's a cool enough guy he, i don't think he looks looks down on them anyway that's uh yeah that was number one and why is it number one i, I thought about it it's basically the it's basically the culmination of every of everything I love in heavy music. It's got it's got the breakdowns in there. It's got those uh, thrashy riffs. It's got speed. It's got slam. It's got sludge. It's got fun fucking lyrics about satanic imagery. I love hearing that stuff, and it's done so tastefully and so and so uh, uniquely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Demons taking over the old west. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it just sounds like a low budget B movie, and it's great. And and yeah, that's sort of the reason why I've uh, my reasoning behind uh, the the structure of this list is yeah, their music music that spoke to me as a you know as an avid listener as such music, and also as a musician myself. Is if I can hear these albums and I hear something that inspires me, it's like, oh, I want that to be part uh, part of one of my songs. And these last five albums especially had that effect on me. So, so yeah, that's why I hold them in such high regard. But we, we got to wrap this up. This was pretty long-winded. Dustin's laptop is about to die. You guys are probably falling asleep. I got somewhere to be. He's got somewhere to be. Thank you, all the fucking bands that have put out such stellar material in the past couple of years. And, yeah, thank you for, uh, thank you for continuing to do what you do. Hopefully you got more planned in the future. And 
yeah, that's about it. Happy uh, 2023, everybody.